How does one maintain inspiration? It's one thing to get stimulated, to get inspired, to get excited, but we always see that maintenance contracts are far more expensive than the initial visit. Is there a secret? Is there a method? We just finished a seven-week course called Seven Weeks to a Better You, where we covered the entire spectrum of human emotions, basically our personality, our character, from love, discipline, compassion, tenacity, humility, bonding, and dignity. But now comes the question, how do we maintain it? Please join me in this after party, so to speak. A better me, making it last. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson. Welcome. And we will be speaking about a better me, making it last. This is after the seven-week series, Seven Weeks to a Better You. We are now going to discuss how to make it last. How do we maintain it? How do we integrate it into our lives? This program is dedicated by Moshe and Rebecca Belinsky in loving memory of Moshe's mother, Asya Bas Ben Sion Olav Shalom, whose Yerzeit is on the 18th of Sivan. We all know that maintenance contracts are much more expensive than the initial visit. Because it's one thing to get inspired, to get excited, stimulated, it's another to maintain it. I mean, it's already a cliche to talk about New Year's resolutions. How long do they last? You make a resolution, if it lasts a day, we're lucky. We make decisions and resolutions to lose weight, to become healthier, to make money. Many different goals we set, but we see it's far harder to maintain a shift, a change. Inspiration, relatively far easier. Not that inspiration should be minimized, because without getting ignited, we clearly cannot maintain. But the challenge really is how to make it part of your life. So in the seven weeks that we reviewed and we evaluated introspectively, soul-searching through our seven different, the spectrum of our seven emotions, basically our character traits, our personality types, love, discipline, compassion, tenacity, humility, bonding or connection, and finally, dignity, nobility, leadership. It's just different names for the last seventh one. So that, as I've heard from many of you, and I know from my own experience, tremendous experience. To be able to look inside your own soul, do a soul search, and evaluate, not just in general terms, but really see where do I stand and how I love and how I discipline and the other five, 
and how they interact with each other and interconnected with each other. But now comes so-called after the hangover, after the honeymoon. What do we do now? So that's what we want to focus on. How to maintain it, and hence a better me, making it last. So let's use an example. When you want to light a fire, and I mean, I don't mean (laughs) an arson, God forbid. I mean a campfire or a fireplace. You need two things. Besides the wood and the fuel, you need something to begin the fire with, to get it going. It's very hard for a log, as powerful as that log may be, as dry as it may be, to just begin burning. So we have twigs, paper, maybe fuel even, to get the fire to catch. But we know the faster it catches, the faster it burns out. We want it to catch, but then that ultimately the logs, the heavy logs, should begin to burn. And when they burn, they last long. So there's an analogy given, was given by one of the Hasidic Rebbes. He's talked about, again, different personality types. He said, there are people who get ignited quickly but burn out quickly. There are people who take a while till you ignite them, till you get them going. But once they start burning like logs, there is the straw and logs. The truth is you need both because the straw or the paper or the twigs is to get it going, the inspiration. But to maintain it, to make it last, you need the logs. So what's the analogy in our own personal lives? So to really understand it, what we need to also discuss and, uh, and, and evaluate is, the, is human nature. You may remember that a few years ago there was a best-selling book called The Power of Habit. And it talked about why habits are so hard to develop and so hard to break. And even bad habits, bad habits that we really want to break. Biting one's nails, other habits. And he, he, he proposed, he, he posited a very interesting theory. The human brain is enormously brilliant. It's always looking to be the most efficient because the brain power, you want to focus on the areas where you need most brain power. That's why there are many things we do that are almost like macros, what they used to call or algorithms. For example, once you get used to brushing your teeth, you don't have to every morning concentrate and become a whole meditation and mindfulness to brush your teeth. So what the mind does It it watches how a person behaves. When something becomes habitual, a ritual, the mind registers that and says, you know, I don't need to reserve so much brain power to do those menial habits or routines. That becomes automatic. That's why there are many times you say, did I brush my teeth this morning? Did I do this? Did I do that? Because it became so routine, you don't even remember it at times. And then the brain can focus on acquiring new information or processing information where you need a lot more brain power. It makes total sense, the same way engineering works. Things that once they get into a certain inertia and momentum, you don't need to exert so much energy to keep it going. So what happens is the development of a, of a habit, similar to a computer program. You press this button, it, it triggers a whole series of, of, of movements, actions and reactions, and it's going. And the brain can then focus on, as I said, something new. That's why once we develop a habit, it's not so easy to just tell the brain, hey, I want to change that. Because the brain has already registered and it's like almost embedded 
to the point that it's almost like it becomes second nature. That's why nurture and nature overlap so much. There are things that are, come through nurture, not nature, but they become, especially when in a young, impressionable age, that it's literally like being born with it. Maybe not exactly literally, but close to it. Or as the, words, the expression goes, the way the neurons are fired, that's how they get wired. So it works well for us, but sometimes it can work against us when it's a bad habit. Like an addiction. Why is this so critical? Because when a person gets inspired, that is a new thing. That's the definition of inspiration. Something new has happened. An epiphany, a revelation, an insight. Even if hard work went into it, seven weeks to a better you, where you analyzed and evaluated and, and, uh, and, and examined each aspect of your personality, where do you stand, how can you make it grow, but still, it's new, it's new information. That's why it's critical, so it's like the igniting of the fire. That's why it's critical to understand what, how habits work. What you want it to now become is a routine, something that becomes part of your life. And here's the key. Many of us think that if we do a lot of energy, exert ourselves a lot, that's what will make it part of our routine. No. Cramming can work for a test, perhaps, and even then doesn't really always work. Much more powerful to do something five minutes a day than to do it five hours at the end of the week, sporadically or not consistently every day. I mean, I just chose those numbers. Maybe those are not exact numbers. But you get the idea. Because it's the consistency that's critical here, to make it part of who you are. To say thank you, if a person who's not accustomed to saying it, it's not enough to say it once, or to say it a hundred times in one, in, f- in a five minute period. That it becomes part of your natural way of responding, gratitude, thank you, please. I mean, those using a simple example. So the challenge is, how do we take what we've learned and how we've been inspired about ourselves and make it a daily routine? where the logs begin to burn, and then it lasts, because it becomes part of us. So like anything, you have to do something every day. You want to exercise, you have to start exercising every day till it becomes something that you, becomes your new habit. It may still take work, and it always should take work, which we'll discuss shortly. But it's easier once it's become part of your routine. You need to do it at a certain time. And it's always best to have a designated time, but at least once daily, if not twice daily. So recently, in developing mechanisms and modalities and instruments and tools, life skill tools, which is part of our mission at the Meaningful Life Center, so this question has come up many times in the challenge that people have. They say, okay, I was inspired by something, but how do I maintain it? So I was thinking about it because one of the best ways to use an example is to look at how we train and condition our bodies. Whether it's through hygiene, good hygiene, whether it's good diet, whether it's exercise, these are all part of how we train and create a healthier body. The same is true with the soul and the psyche and our emotional, spiritual, psychological and spiritual lives. You can learn much from how we condition our physical lives. And they go hand in hand. So when you think of it that way, 
What's one of the most common things today that we find where people go to to condition themselves? They go to a gym, a spa, a health center, a retreat. I mean, there are different names for it. And what do they do? There's a series of different activities they can do there, different exercises, different machines that work out different parts of the body, different muscles. The same thing with the diet. A healthy diet requires certain minerals and vitamins and nutrients that feed and nourish different parts of your body. And one is not enough. Certain parts of the body require more calcium, a vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin B, and all the other different, different um, minerals and vitamins that the body needs. The same is true with the soul. The soul also needs a gym. So hence we call it a soul gym. A soul workout, if you wish. A soul spa. Spiritual spa. And I was thinking about it. Spa is three letters. S-P-A. And something came to me. S-P-A is an acronym for study, prayer, and action. The three pillars that the classic statement in the ethics of the Father says that three pillars upon which the world stands. And we know a world means the general, the larger world, the, mic- the macrocosmic world, and the microcosmic world. A human being is a small universe. There are three things that this organism stands upon, p- three pillars. And the Hebrew is a translation of study, prayer, and action. Torah, avodah, gemil, chasod. Or to put it in more psychological terms, cognitive conditioning, emotional conditioning, and behavioral conditioning. These are the three ways that we condition, train, and exercise our body, our soul, our bodies, but also our souls here, and our psyches, and our emotional makeup. So once you understand the seven components of your emotions, and you've come to understand, to some extent, where you, what your status is, the diagnosis of where you are. Now the challenge is the immersion in the spa. That every day, we need to internalize it by entering a spa. And that means, simply put, dedicating time to study. That's cognitive conditioning. What is study? Study is using your mind and concentrating, not on nonsense and not on daydreaming, but a a very concerted focus, like laser beam focus on something. And what are we talking about the something? The something is yourself, your very personality. But not just on you, but on where you should be. So studying every day something spiritual, reading something. Could be five minutes a day, could be an hour a day. But I would do something that's manageable. Every day to read something, to study something, it can be a text, it can be poetry, it can be anything that speaks to your heart and soul. I don't like to be self-serving, but many people use the book Toward a Meaningful Life because it works, it addresses all the different topics of life. It's digestible in the sense that it's chapter by chapter. But that's simply a book that I wrote that is just very conducive for this approach. But it doesn't have to be that book. Some of you use the Omer book, which was actually about the seven times seven emotions. So I don't know if we'd go there because you may have done that already. 
But anything that speaks to your heart and soul, that's very important that it resonates. But consistently, what you're doing is you're getting your mind to not focus just on survival and the things that you're used to, like, you know, figuring out where to go shopping or how to invest or where to go on vacation or how to deal with your immediate survival needs. But your mind is taking you to another place. That's why I focused on spiritual study. To learn about things that are more, are not just the usual functional and survival mode. Something transcendent. The mind then elevates you and your whole being, because as the mind, to something where you can dream, where you can imagine. It sparks and ignites an element of adventure, spontaneity, a sense that they're of awe and reverence of something greater than ourselves. So whatever that, whatever that, whatever study, and that's the, the S of the spa, whatever cognitive conditioning with the mind that you can that can lead you on a journey in that place goes into the category. So that's number one, but on a daily basis. Number two is prayer. Now again, many people misunderstand what prayer is. They think prayer is simply a religious ritual. Prayer is essentially emotional conditioning. And that's an expression from the Talmud. What is service of the heart? Says prayer. So let's explain what that means. So if study, which in the words of the, of the Mishnah I, I quoted before from the sage of, of the, th- the three pillars, is called Torah, which is essentially putting your mind in spiritual place of something greater than you are, just your survival, prayer is putting your heart in that place, traveling with your emotions, what sometimes is called emotional intelligence. Or in this case, we're talking about emotional conditioning which is actually the essence of the seven emotions of seven weeks that better you, because they go through all your emotions. But here we're talking about the daily ritual or the daily habit or daily routine, whatever you want to call it, of a meditation that's not just cognitive but emotional. The first is more cognitive and intentionally so. It's allowing your mind to take you to places where your emotions may not be ready to go for whatever reason, but allows you to dream, allows you to to imagine, to travel to to spiritual places that are beyond you right now. Emotional conditioning, on the other hand, is something that you can relate to emotionally. But again, not an emotional experience of survival and functionality. I like this food. I like this person. I like this relationship. But something also of transcendence, an emotionally transcendent experience. That's really what prayer is. So it could be through words, the prayers that maybe you're used to saying, the prayer I often suggest in the morning, which is an excellent daily ritual called the Moda'ani. I acknowledge, I thank you for returning my soul to me, which is really an emotional meditation. And let me explain. For thank you for returning my soul to me, for renewing my contracts, so to speak, for your faith and vote of confidence in me, and my indispensable mission in this world. It's essentially an emotional focus on the hub and center of your life, which is your soul. And that the rest of the day, like hubs, like spokes rather, that come from that hub, are focused towards spiritualizing your material life. But this time, not just on a cognitive level, but an emotional level. 
So the cognitive takes you on a cognitive life raft. That's the study part. The prayer takes you on an emotional journey, a feeling, an instinct. That's why it can be very much associated with song and melody, singing a song, listening to music. This isn't just a cognitive intellectual experience, it's an emotional one. It transports you to another time and place. What you're doing is massaging and exercising your very heart and emotional muscles. Just like study massages and exercises your cognitive muscles, so too the emotional, the P for prayer, massages and exercises your emotional muscles. And the Moda'ani that I mentioned is an excellent way of doing so. It doesn't have to be limited to that. There are many different prayers. Choose one or more than one. And you can always increase and add as you go. It doesn't hurt. I'm just trying to make it manageable. Because if you bite off more than you can chew, you end up not doing it. And that leads us to number three, the A of the spa. Study prayer, A, action. Behavioral conditioning. Or in the words of the Mishnah, let's go back to the Talmudic statement. Torah, avoida. Torah is cognitive study. Avoida is service of the heart. Emotional conditioning, prayer. And the third is action, behavioral conditioning. Which is called gemilas chasadim. Acts of kindness. Showing kindness. Bestowing kindness. To be exact. To be giving. This is focused on the action. Because as much as mind and heart are critical in a person's conditioning, a person's growth, in other words, not just to be behavioral, but to also have a, a depth, a passion of the heart, an intellectual rigor and focus of the mind, it all comes down to we live in a world of action. Someone tells you, my heart is with you, my mind is with you, but they're not ready to sign the dotted line or to act, act on their commitment, then it's just words or thoughts. And indeed, the first two, we'll talk about that shortly, is like thought and speech. The cognitive is more mind-thought oriented. The prayer is more speech-oriented and expression, emotional expression. And the third is action-based. Actual act. It could be an act of charity. Every day, give a little charity. Every day, make sure that you find someone in need that you can help. Monetarily, advice, a kind word, a connection, a referral. Basically, it puts you in a mode that massages and exercises the behavioral part of your being, which is critical because what we're doing is trying to redirect. Or maybe another word would be to refine and elevate your entire being. And not just on a one-time basis, but like we said, maintaining it making it last. And that requires integrating it into your routines, as I said, daily routines, your spiritual spa, on a daily basis, cognitively with study, studying every day, praying every day, emotional conditioning, and acting in a kinder way every day. So it's routine, but also encompasses all the three dimensions of the conscious psyche, which is mind, heart, and actions. Study, prayer, and actions. Spa. Cognitive, emotional, and behavioral conditioning. When you do this on a daily basis, what happens is it becomes part of your life. And that's the key, my friends, to making it last.
The challenge is, especially in the beginning, is to turn it into a ritual, into a routine. And do it even when you're not in the mood. Sometimes a good, well, always, a good piece of advice, do it with someone else. You can have a study partner. You can have a prayer partner. You can have an action partner. Well, how does that help? Because that motivates. You have someone you're running with, you're walking with, it's easier. You're playing tennis with, you're playing racquetball with. Then there's a commitment to each other. It's more motivating. The key is to maintaining it. And of course, like in everything in life, you don't want it to stagnate, not just become another routine and habit. You want the habit to also grow. You want it to be dynamic with vitality. And that grow can be even more, more time each day that you designate, or different things you study, pray, and act on. You can broaden your horizons, widen your repertoire. And this, my friends, is the way to make it last. That the better me, the better you, becomes a permanent fixture. That you have become a much healthier person, a more wholesome one, more actualized in fulfilling your spiritual divine calling in this world. That transcendent calling that makes you unique. You unique. You, and only you can accomplish what you need to accomplish in this world. Which of course is the driving force behind everything. Feeling that sense of significance and urgency. Urgency. When things are not urgent and they're optional and arbitrary, yeah, there's always tomorrow. So may you be blessed with the fortitude, and I should probably mention all seven, the fortitude, the compassion, the discipline, the love, I'm going backwards, then, front, then going downward, the humility, the bonding, the dignity, which is all necessary in maintaining and making grow who you are, that you blossom and spread your wings to really make a mark in this world in a way that you and only you can do, while at the same time also complimenting all of us. And we compliment you, and you compliment us, in creating the grand symphony, the cosmic symphony of billions of musical notes, all leading to such a powerful orchestra that transforms the world into a garden where materialism is a means to spiritual growth where all our activities are focused toward a higher goal, a higher reality. And we make that our reality in this world, in this earth. Be blessed. And I hope you can benefit, benefit, benefit it from and can benefit from the course, the seven-part course, and this eighth follow-up. Seven weeks to a better you. And this week... A better me making it last. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center. Please go to MeaningfulLife.com, our central website where you can find a robust schedule of activities, programs, topics, both in text form, in audio, and video, podcasts, you name it, on all the platforms available today. Please benefit, take, take advantage of it and benefit from it. And I'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your comments, your questions. And of course, please share, pay it forward, share it with everyone you can reach. Thank you so much, and be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. 
Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.